every January, as Pastor Mandy had talked about, King's Corner enters into a 21-day fast. And so just like we, we set the course for the day when in the morning when you spend time with the Lord in prayer and in his word, you set the course for the day, just like we set the course for the week when we come to church on Sunday morning and we spend time in prayer and communion with the Lord and with each other, okay? And so what we do for the first 21 days of January is we're, we're setting the course for 2024, okay? Setting the course means putting God first. And, and 21 days of, of prayer and fasting is about getting in line with God's purpose and God's plan for us in 2024. And, and it's also about, for us as believers, it's about us regaining our edge. Fasting gives us an edge. How many of you ever swung an ax before? Absolutely. Um, how many of you know how, uh, that it's important before you swing that ax that that ax is sharp? Right? If the ax isn't sharp, um, if it's dull, if it's lost its edge, first of all, it's not going to be very effective in cutting. Is that true? Absolutely, right? But, but also, it can be harmful and dangerous to yourself and others if you start using a dull axe. Abraham Lincoln said, <clears throat> give me six hours to chop down a tree, and I'll spend four hours sharpening the axe. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 10 says, if the axe is dull and one does not sharpen the edge, then he must use more strength, but wisdom brings success. Wisdom is taking time, the required time, to sharpen the axe. And so this 21 days of, of prayer and fasting, this is us taking the required time to sharpen the axe, to sharpen ourselves as a believer. Because every believer loses their edge from time to time. Is that right? Life wears us down. Living in a fallen, broken world wears us down. Right? We get to the point where, where we're serving the Lord has just become another appointment on our calendar. Right? Now we're trying to live life and fulfill our calling in our own strength, and we've become dull. And I don't know about you, but I need to regain the edge. I need this time. I need this time. You ready? Let's pray. God, I just thank you for, <clears throat> for this opportunity. And God, I just pray that every one of us in this room is going to take advantage of this opportunity to draw close to you. Let this fast be about you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And yes, we have issues. We've got trials and we're in troubles and 
were faced with impossible circumstances. But this fast is not trying to make you do something for us, God. But this fast is about coming to you. This fast is about coming into communion. It's about coming back to our first love. And God, I pray that every one of us in this room will make the decision to come back to you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, today what I'd, what I'd like to do is first, you know, we, we have a lot of, of people in our church in this last year, and there's quite a few people that aren't here today. I know, I know lots are watching online today too. Um, but, but there's a, a, quite a few of you that have not been a part of a King's Corner fast. Okay, and so what I'd like to do is I'd like to make it very clear what biblical fasting is, because that's the kind of fast that we participate in at King's Corner. It's biblical fasting. And I want to make it very clear what it is and what it isn't. Uh, I want to talk about some of uh, the things that you can expect if you decide to uh, enter into this fast. And then I want to talk about our, our motivation to fast. I want to talk about What's the real purpose here? Why, why are we spending these 21 days in fasting? And then after that, we're going to spend some time in communion with the Lord. And, and that's going to officially begin our 21 days of prayer and fasting. Is that okay? Okay, let's begin with, with biblical fasting. Biblical fasting is refraining from eating food for a spiritual purpose. So it's more than just limiting your coffee or your pop, okay, or your sugar intake for 21 days, but it actually is abstaining from eating food. So an example of that might be to fast a meal, okay? That, that may be an example of, of a biblical fast, but it's not just skipping meals, but it's for a spiritual purpose. It's a time that we have consecrated, it's a time that we have set apart for prayer and for communion with the Lord. Okay? It is impossible to have a biblical fast without prayer. Okay? So if you decide to skip meals, but, but you don't pray, what's that called? That's a diet. Okay? We're not having 21 days of dieting. Okay? That's not what we're doing. Okay? And, and so it's, it's for spiritual purpose. So it's spiritual activity in the place of natural activity. It's praying and reading and meditating on the word of God in place of a meal. It's spending time with Jesus instead of spending time with a cheeseburger. I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> okay. And so, and so if you've decided, for example, to fast your lunch... It's, it's taking time during that lunch then to pray, be with Jesus, be in the word. It's denying our physical needs so that our spiritual needs can be met. Okay, the Hebrew word for fast is practice of self-denial. The Greek word for fast means afflicting one's soul or body, making miserable or distressing <laughs> one's soul 
or body. Okay, and, and so it's, it's denying self because we want more of him. It's saying, God, I, I, I'm willing to, to feel hungry. I'm willing to go to bed with a hungry tummy. Okay, I'm willing to, to feel the hunger pangs. I'm willing to, to get headaches even, endure headaches. I'm willing to get lightheaded. I'm willing to, to feel sick. I'm willing to, to, you know, be grumpy around my family for 21 days. Because God, I want more of you. That, that's what it is. I want more of you. And so fasting is changing your appetite. An important part of fasting is that our appetite starts to change, right? Fasting is choosing to feed your spirit and your soul with things that lead to life. We looked at this scripture in October, Proverbs 27, verse 7. A satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb, but to a hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. See, if our, if our spirit is already full up, of this world, then we're not going to be hungry for the things of God. In fact, we'll even loathe them, which means we'll want nothing to do with them, right? It's kind of like, it's kind of like getting too much turkey at Christmas. And, and you know, my wife makes the best Christmas turkey dinner. I mean, it is the best, okay? And, and, and she... Um, she has strategy with, with, I mean, she, she just does things that make this turkey. So one thing she does is she toothpicks breakfast sausages on top of the turkey. Does anyone else do that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, and so then the, the grease and the fat and the sausage, you know, goes into the turkey, right? Like she, she just makes an incredible, one of my favorite meals of the year is Thanksgiving dinner and and Christmas dinner. But if I have my wife's incredible Christmas turkey dinner at lunchtime and then Christmas evening we go to my parents and, and we have a, a, an awesome Christmas dinner and then we go to my outlaws or sorry, my, my in-laws and we have, another, we have another Christmas dinner and that night we go to some friends and, they, and now there's a, a turkey again sitting on the plate in front of me. I will loathe that turkey, <laughs> right? Because I'm, I'm too full, even though that turkey is incredible, even, that meal is, even though that meal is incredible, right? I, I, I want nothing to do with it because I'm, I'm too full. And so fasting, a big part of fasting is about starving ourselves of the things of this world so that we can be hungry for God and spiritual things. And, and so it's good to limit TV and social media and movies and screens and things like that during a fast because all of those things can contaminate a fast. But limiting those things was gonna to start to change your appetite from the things of this world to the things of God. How many of you remember that story in Matthew chapter 17 when, when that father comes up to Jesus and his son is suffering from really bad epileptic seizures. Do you guys remember this story? And he said, Jesus, I, I, can you heal my son? I, I took him to your disciples, but they couldn't do anything for him. 
And do you know what Jesus' response was? Do you know what he said right then about his disciples? I think it was directed towards his disciples. But he said, O faithless and perverse generation. Right? Then Jesus rebuked the demonic oppression that was in that, that boy's life, and he was completely set free and healed. But, he, but he, he called his disciples faithless and perverse. So faithless is someone that is, is just completely disconnected from God. If you're faithless, you're disconnected from God. You don't have word. You don't have relationship. If you're perverse, you're too connected to the world. If you're perverse, that means the world um, <clears throat> has, you've allowed the world and sin to corrupt thinking and, and your attitude and your actions. And then the disciples come to Jesus and they say, why couldn't we heal the boy? And, and Jesus gives an answer for a faithless and perverse generation. He says, because of your unbelief. For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So what's the answer for a believer that's disconnected from God and too connected to the world? It's fasting and prayer. Fasting disconnects us from the world. Prayer connects us back to God. And once we do that, our appetite for this world starts to diminish. The football game just doesn't seem so great anymore. Social media just doesn't seem so attractive and so appealing anymore. But now we start to hear the voice of God. We start to feel the pull of the Holy Spirit saying, come, Come to the Father. Come to me. Come to intimacy again. Come back to your first love. And now our spiritual appetite has started to change. And now we become hungry for God. And so we don't do uh, one specific fast here across the board and encourage everyone to participate, but but what we do is, is we allow you to choose with the Lord what your fast is going to look like. And so maybe your fast might be, uh, maybe you'll fast a meal every day. Or maybe you're going to fast a meal every other day. Or maybe for the next three weeks, you're going to fast Wednesdays and Saturdays. Okay? Or, or maybe you're going to fast all of your meals for an entire 21 days. Or maybe each week you're going to do something different. Maybe the first week you're going to have a Daniel fast, which is primarily fruits and vegetables. And, and maybe the, the second week you're going to fast suppers. And the third week you're going to do something different again. But here's my point. When you choose your fast, okay, there is, no, there is not one fast that is better or more spiritual than another fast. Did everybody catch that? Okay. So, so you decide to fast for 21 days, all food for 21 days. That's great. If that's what you and the Lord decide, then that's great. But God's not more impressed with you because you chose that fast over the person that's just going to maybe fast a couple meals a week. 
Because God honors any and every effort to draw close to him. He knows our heart, and regardless of the fast we choose, God loves hearts that want to come near him. Amen? And so if you're that person that loves to tell everyone the kind of fast that you're doing and and how much you're suffering, you know, Man, you don't look very good. Well, I'm fasting. Quite spiritual. If that's you, then then I'm going to guess that the fast is about you. And your reward is whatever impressing that you, you got from the people that you told. And God does not honor that kind of a fast. But, but Matthew chapter 6, he says, And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. For they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face, then no one will notice that you're fasting except your Father who knows what you do in private. And your Father who sees everything will reward you. Hallelujah. Next is, is what to expect. And, and I think we can expect a couple things for sure in a fast. Number one is, is that the fun wears off quickly. <laughs> okay. And, and, so, and so, you know, we, we come to a, a, the first service and, and maybe we get excited, right, and, and we, about this fast. And, we, you know, we have anticipation and expectation of what God's going to do. And that's great. That is so great. Okay, but, but I'm going to tell you right now that, that pretty quickly that that's going to wear off. Okay, and fasting becomes a grind. Fasting is hard. Okay, and, um, and, and sometimes it actually feels like time is standing still. Right, and, and you're like, man, it must, it's getting late. It's going to be like 3 o'clock. And you look at the time, it's, it's 9.30 in the morning. On day one. <laughs> right? And, and, and so I want you to expect that it will be hard, but this is my promise to you. This is my absolute promise. The reward is so much greater than the suffering of being hungry. The reward is so much greater. Who's ever fast before? Can you say amen to that? I promise you it's worth the grind. And, and, and this, is, this is the next, resi- uh, the next uh, thing to expect is that you can expect resistance. You can expect resistance when you fast. And the first, the, the first thing that, that you're going to feel resistance from probably is your own body, your own flesh. How many of you know uh, the, the hunger hormone? It's called ghrelin. Has anyone ever heard of that before? Ghrelin? Okay, and, and from what I understand is ghrelin is that hunger hormone that makes your stomach growl, right? It, it lets you know that you're hungry. You never have to, um, you, never have to uh, you know, remember to be hungry, right? Because we've got ghrelin. We've got hunger hormones that makes our stomach growl, and, and the only way it's going to stop growling is if we put things into our mouths, Right? And, and so, you know, so 
during a fast, you will come to know Greeland very well. Okay? And, and so your flesh, your body, it's going to war out against you. It's going to cry out during a fast. You can expect this. this is, your body's going to resist this. See, our flesh, it's kind of like a, a spoiled, rotten child that's got its way way too many times. Right? And so every time it growls, we're like, okay, okay, cupcake. <laughs> you know? Right? Just calm down. Right? And, and so when we don't, when we don't give in to our flesh, it's going to absolutely throw a temper tantrum. Okay? And when a kid throws a temper tantrum, do we, do we just automatically, okay, you can have whatever you're wanting? No! You don't give in to that. But you got to show... You got to show who's boss, right? You got to show your flesh who's the boss. And so part of making a, a, part of a fast is making sure that our flesh understands that it's not in control. Do you know because of Jesus, we don't have to live by our flesh. But we, we have the ability to live by the Holy Spirit. Did you know that? Because of what Jesus did on the cross, right? And so we have authority and we have power and we have ability to say no, when that greeling, when that hunger comes, when that flesh starts to cry out and throw a temper tantrum on the floor, we just say, tough beans. Tough beans. Because I want more of God. Okay, and the second, the second resistance that we're going to meet is, is the enemy. Okay, um, Satan is not going to be happy because you've decided to, to pray and fast. Okay, he's not going to be like, hey, you know what, I, I know we've had our differences. <laughs> but I like the cut of your jib. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I'm proud of you. Way to go. No, that's, that's not going to happen. Okay? okay, Satan hates it when believers decide to pray and fast because when believers start to pray and start to fast, Satan starts to lose. He starts to lose battles. He starts to lose battles in people's minds. Strongholds start coming down as truth starts to come in. Right? He starts to lose his grip. Footholds are loosened. Chains are broken. Prisoners are set free during fasts. He starts to lose territory. As we start to gain our spiritual edge, he starts to lose territory. We start being that light in dark places again. And because he starts to lose, you can expect that he's going to lie to you. Okay, he's going to try to first make you believe you can't do this. He's going to say, fasting is only for strong Christians, not for you. Right? And I would, I would bet money, if I was a betting man, that he's already lied to you during this sermon. That he's already told you that lie during this sermon. Said, you know, Pastor Brett's not talking to you. He's talking to everybody else. Okay, that's a lie. How many of you know that God always gives us grace? And in his grace, there, that is an empowering to do whatever God has called us to do. Amen? All things. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. He's going to attack your motives and your character. He's going to say, you don't care about God. You don't care about drawing close to God. You don't care about spiritual things. You're, you're just trying to lose weight. 
Have you ever heard that lie before? I have several times, several times. Okay, even though I don't really need to lose weight. I mean, I'm a specimen up here. Okay, but, but, but he still lies to me. Okay, he's going to make you doubt the effectiveness of your fast. He's going to say things like, do you really think that your life is going to change because you skip breakfast? He's going to lie to you. Okay. And so you can know that when you meet that resistance, that your fast is absolutely making a difference. The enemy is threatening you because he is threatened. Because your fast and your prayer and your decision to draw close to the Lord is tearing down his kingdom. And it's building God's kingdom in your life and others. But we're given a promise in James chapter 4 and verse 6 and 7. He says, but he gives us more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. See, when we, when we enter into a fast, we are absolutely submitting to God. We are humbling ourselves before God, and in turn, God empowers us to resist the enemy. And the promise is that when we do that, when we resist the enemy in our humility, he will flee. Hallelujah. To resist means to oppose, to stand firm against, to refuse to comply It's the same meaning in Ephesians chapter 6 in regarding to standing our ground against the enemy's schemes. God has given you power and ability to stand your ground, to resist the devil, to shut the mouth of the accuser, and he will flee. Go ahead, turn your Bibles to to 2 Kings chapter 7. I just want to take a minute. And, and go through this story here in 2 Kings chapter 7. It actually begins in chapter 6. But I want to talk about the motivation of our fast. This, this is why we fast. I think there's, there's a fasting principle in this story. And the story actually begins in chapter 6 if you're following along. But the, the Arameans have, have laid siege to an Israel city... The Israel city is Samaria. At the time, this was Israel's capital. So, so the Arameans surround the city, okay? And so they've, they've completely cut Israel off of all supplies, all food, and eventually all their food, all their rations are gone, okay? And so Israel is in dire circumstances. They are starving to death, okay? And they're so hungry that they start um, feeding on things. They start to eat things that they would never normally eat, okay? And so it says in, in 2 Kings chapter 6 that a donkey's head, that people are selling donkey's head for 80 pieces of silver, okay? They're so desperate that a cup of dove's dung is worth five pieces of of silver. This is the desperation of Israel in this story. But at the beginning of chapter 7 and verse 1, God made a promise 
through his prophet Elijah, Elisha. He said, by this time tomorrow, in the markets of Samaria, six quarts of choice flour will only cost one piece of silver. Twelve quarts of barley grain will only cost one piece of silver. In other words, the starvation is about to end. I'm about to bring so much food, and this is why the cost of all these incredible things is going to be low, because I'm about to provide. That's what God says. And so before that happens, there's, there's these four lepers, and, and they're outside the city. And so these four leopards, lepers are from Israel, but they're not allowed to go into the city because they're lepers. Okay, but the enemies surrounded the city, so they can't, they can't go to the Arameans either, right? And so they're trapped. And so they're out there for a long time, and eventually these lepers come to the conclusion, you know what? If we keep going down the same path here, if we just stay here and don't do anything, we're going to die. So they came to the conclusion that they might as well go to the Aramean camp because the, the enemy's camp is going to have food. So they said, we might as well go because even if we go and they decide to kill us, it doesn't matter because they're going to kill us anyway. We're going to die anyway. Right? But there's a chance that they might not kill us. There's a chance that they might let us live and give us food. So the lepers decide to do that and we can pick up the story here in 2 Kings chapter 7, verses 5 to 8. It says, so at twilight, they set out for the camp of the Arameans. But when they came to the edge of the camp, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the Aramean army to hear the clatter of speeding chariots and the galloping of horses and the sounds of a great army approaching. The king of Israel has hired the Hittites and the Egyptians to attack us, they cried to one another. So they panicked and ran into the night, abounding, abandoning their tents, horses, donkeys, and everything else, and they fled for their lives. That kind of sounds like a God thing to do, doesn't it? And so when the men with leprosy arrived at the edge of camp, they went into one tent after another, eating and drinking wine, and they carried off silver and gold and clothing. And so here's what I want us to see in this story, okay? It was the leper's hunger. It was the leper's hunger that drove them to God's provision. They're unsatisfied with the circumstances of their life. They weren't content doing the same thing that would ultimately lead to their death, but their hunger actually led them to life. Their hunger actually led them to salvation. It saved them from death. Their hunger led them to answered prayer, to God's promise, to God's fulfillment of his word. And this is what fasting does. Fasting makes us hungry for God. Someone once said, fasting is exchanging one form of hunger for another. By withholding physical food from our bodies, we elevate the likelihood of developing a spiritual appetite. Fasting is hungering for God. And you know what? Maybe you're in a place where you're not content 
with your current circumstances and you just can't do another year like the one that you just did. You can't live this way any longer, but something has to change. And can I tell you this this morning? God can make that change. With man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Please hear me this morning. Whatever your circumstance, whatever your trial, whatever giant is before you, whatever enemy is standing before you, whatever conflict, whatever whatever impossible task, it is a part of the scripture that says all things. All things are possible with God. Whatever it is, whatever it is, all things are possible with God. I I need you to get that this morning. Whatever it is, whatever it is. How many of you know that God can change hearts? How many of you know that God changes circumstances? How many of you know that God brings wayward children home? How many know that God breaks chains? All things, whatever it is, whatever it is. I've got some things. All things are possible. All things are possible. So God can make that change. And fasting makes us hungry for God. Spiritual hunger isn't satisfied with going through the motions. Spiritual hunger isn't satisfied with more of the same. It doesn't settle for another year of the same. It doesn't settle for what this broken world has to offer because everything that this world has to offer is broken. Broken relationships and broken families and marriages and broken hope and false peace. This world offers donkey's heads and dove's dung. That's what this world has to offer. But someone hungry for God is only satisfied with God's best. And fasting brings us to a place of spiritual hunger that drives us to God, to his hope, to his peace. It drives us to his word, to his promises, to his provision, to the fulfillment of God's word in our lives. And the leper's hunger, it led them to a place they never would have gotten to otherwise. Our spiritual hunger will take us places with God and take us places in our life that we never would have gotten to without that spiritual hunger. How many of you remember the prodigal son? Do you remember what the the final reason was that he decided to go home? It was hunger. Luke 15 says the young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. That dove's dung looked pretty good. But no one gave him anything. Finally, he came to his senses. Right? He's not going to tolerate this anymore. He came to his senses. At home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare. And here I am, dying of hunger, In the next sentence, I will go home to my father. 
The prodigal son was in a place that he was jealous of the pigs, that he would have been satisfied to eat what the pigs were eating. But then he came to his senses. He couldn't live another second in these circumstances. And his hunger brought him back to the Father. It's spiritual hunger that's going to bring us back to the Father, to his will, to his provision, to his fulfilled word in our life. It's spiritual hunger that won't allow us to be satisfied with anything but God's best. I think sometimes we're satisfied. We're just satisfied with whatever happens, happens. That's not God's best. Don't be satisfied for, with anything other than the promises of God, the word of God fulfilled in your life. Don't be satisfied because it's going around. Don't be satisfied. Spiritual hunger never lets us settle for the status quo, but spiritual hunger drives us to the best that God has for us, the will of God, the word of God. Fasting is hungering for God. And so as a church, we're going on a 21-day journey here to get hungry for God, to bring us back to the Father, to see his word and his promises fulfilled in our lives. Who's ready to get hungry? I don't believe you. Who's ready? Who doesn't want to settle? Who wants God's best? How many of you ready to get hungry for God and the things of God? In just a minute, I'm going to have you come forward and, and receive our communion emblems. Um, Vincent Carroll, could I please have you come and, and help? distribute the emblems this morning. See, communion is a time that we consecrate. Every month at King's Corner, we, we consecrate it. We, we set apart time. We set apart time for communion, for prayer, for honoring God. Fasting is a time. This 21 days is a time that we consecrate. It's, it's a time that we are setting apart Okay, we're doing this as a church, but, but, but I, I want this to be personal, okay? And, and so after you come and receive your communion elements, I want you just to spend some time with the Lord, just you and the Lord, okay? And, and I want you to, to make this personal. Consecrate this time. Say, God, I'm going to set apart this 21 days for you. I'm setting apart this 21 days because I want to set the course for 2024. I want to come in alignment with you. I want to get hungry for you. I want to come back to the Father. I don't want to settle anymore for what this world has to offer, but I want you and your word and your promise. And so just spend some time consecrating this time with the Lord. Listen. Listen to what the Father wants to tell you about this fast. Listen 
to, to where he wants to take you. So it's, it's consecrating this time, but it's also just time with you and the Father, just listening to the Father, hearing his voice for you specifically for this fast, for you specifically, okay? And then after you spend some time with the Lord, after you consecrate this, set apart this 21 days, and spend that communion with the Lord, then you go ahead and you partake of the communion elements when you're ready, okay? And that's going to, that's going to mark the beginning of, our, of your fast, okay? And then I'm going to close in prayer. So if, if that's okay with you, um, I want to invite you to, to stand. <clears throat> and so <clears throat> these first two middle sections... I'm going to have you come first. We're going to start with the front row and work our way back. And have you come, all of you come to the middle aisle. And then our, our outer sections, I'm going to have you also come to the middle aisle from the back, except we're going to start from the back rows and then work our way to the front. Okay? And then again, I'll just say one more time. You take your communion elements, you sit down, you spend some time with the Lord, and you make this personal. Yes, we're doing this collectively as a church, but I want you to make this personal. So you, you, you consecrate this time with the Lord, okay? And we're going to seal it. We're going to seal it by, by partaking of our elements, okay? Any questions? Amen. I didn't really want questions. Okay. So, so let's, let's begin.